Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. That's it. The offseason is over. Summer vacation is officially underway for coaches and players, minus the rookies, at least not yet. There's a little more work for them. So what did we learn after three days of minicamp? We'll revisit the list we had. First, though, Kyler Murray. He just can't help himself. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 431, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So I get it. If I was as good as Kyler Murray is at football and baseball, I'd want to give it a shot to try and play both at the same time. It's just not going to happen for me, obviously, MJ, but it's not going to happen for Kyler either. Yet, I know what the headlines are late this week. Kyler Murray opened the door. He knew exactly what he was doing. But let's not kind of parse words. Let's kind of look at this in the full context of what Murray was saying. He is not going to jeopardize his football career with the opportunity or the chance to play baseball at the same time. I just, one, it's not going to happen with the Cardinals. And two, I just don't see another team giving him that choice or that chance to play both sports. Yeah, and, and Darren Irma, I think, tweeted out along with Kyle Odegaard, our colleagues here at azcardinals.com, and he said, Kyle Murray continues to talk about playing pro baseball at some point. He knows he can't. He acknowledges the Cardinals certainly aren't thinking the way that way. But he says with a smile, he doesn't want to close the door. Quote, I'm not trying to start anything. I'm just talking, unquote. Now, according to Kyle Odegaard, Murray has a no baseball clause in his rookie contract but holds the hope out of playing in the NFL and Major League Baseball. Well, let's, let's just bottom line this then. If he continues to show progress, and he, we think he's a franchise quarterback, um, and I don't know what the hurry would be. You know, Clearly, if he plays well enough this year, he's going to be in line for that, you know, to pick up the option and have to figure out a long-term deal. He can make close to 35 to $40 million. I don't think he can make that in baseball. No, not right away. It would take him years, and I'm talking five, six, seven, maybe even up to ten years before you get to that level as far as pay in baseball. But I understand him. Look, he was a first-round draft pick in baseball by the Oakland A's. They still hold his rights as far as baseball is concerned, and it's a sport that he loves. It might be his first love for all we know. I mean, it's hard for him to kind of pick between the two, yet he chose football and Look, there was a chance. There was a brief period. We can go back to 2019, and I believe it was early in February when he made that decision. Look, I'm going to focus on football, not baseball, which surprised a lot of people. And now, of course, we know the history and the outcome. Here he is about to enter year three. But I get it from his perspective. It is a sport he is very good at, and it might just be something like you know that itch you want to scratch for a little bit. But I just, at that position, at the quarterback position, position it would be hard for me to figure out a way to allow uh, a talent like that to compete in both sports at the same time when you know football is year-round now I believe that date was February 11th I think that sounds familiar yeah because yes. I remember when he declared and, and you know he obviously uh, a lot of a lot of the stories that came out had him with the uh, A's uh, you know press conference jersey on um, now we got to get into something else here um, is he a three <laughs> Sports star now. I mean, I mean, we know that you know, Deion Sanders was able to pull it off, right? Yes. And then Bo Jackson was as well. And then there was a guy that played for the Falcons and Braves. Oh, I remember. I was. I'll have to look it up during the show. But there was another player. I can picture the guy. Anyways, different circumstances. But I mean, okay, we do. We have seen Russell Wilson take batting practice. Well, go to like. Seattle Mariners camp in Peoria Training camp, yes. or surprise where the Rangers are. I mean, do you think he, like, he would like to just go to like a couple days of spring training just to work out or still not allowed to do that? I just don't. I just don't. Too much I, I think there's, yeah, I think there's okay. 
too much to risk from the team side and even from the player well, side again, at that point. Again, it's got that clause in his contract. So. Yeah, and, and look, this is this is something that Kyler Murray is bringing up himself. This is not media-driven. This is something that he is opening the door to, and he's done it several times over the last 12 to 18 months in different forms because this time it was in respects to his cover on Sports Illustrated, the eSports, and the gaming, and our colleague Darren wanted to ask about being a two-sport athlete with football and gaming and Kyler Murray said quote I'm still holding on to the three sport title without mentioning baseball he brings up baseball and he had a big smile on his face and I think he knew exactly what he was doing to get it out there one more time that yes baseball is still in the back of his mind and not to say bird gang that he's not completely focused on football you can have other interests you can have other hobbies yes he is fully committed to the Arizona Cardinals i by that 100%. Yet there is this thought in his head that he has about what if. And I think we all have that what if, especially, as I mentioned, if we were as talented in two different professions like Kyler Murray is proficient in two different sports. And if you look along the lines, and we're going to get into you know what Kyler talked about last year when it came to the injuries and how it's going to affect him moving forward. But we, we know you know baseball is a much safer sport; it can last a lot longer. And you know playing the position he plays, being a dual threat, you're going to take some hits. Now I think he's done a great job protecting his body. That guy was Brian Jordan. Okay, he played for the Braves, and he also played for the Falcons. And he was one of those guys that he was drafted in, in both sports. I don't know if he was as high as Kyler Murray. But anyways. Look uh, at you doing research in the course of the well, show. Well, I, I, I could look at the guy, and I remember, I, I didn't know if it was uh, Brian Jones or Jordan, so I want to make sure before I misspoke. By but, the way, we would have lost you the entire show if that was still stuck on your no, mind. No, no, no. something I, like that, you're like, I, I, I got to get it out. I got to get well, it out. I've it's going to bug me. Because when I think of two sports stars, I mean – I'm sure a lot of guys could have tried it, but anyways, yeah, it's interesting. But I, I, listen, you could tell it's still in his heart. Yes, and something like that, it, it it's hard to eliminate. You want to scratch that itch. Yes. Now that was the attention grabbing, the headline grabbing details on what Kyler Murray had to say on day three and the final day of mandatory minicamp. As far as the most important thing. That he had to say. I think there were a couple of different points. One is how often this offseason and in offseasons in general, how many times we've heard quarterbacks say, well, I need more help. I'm not happy. There's a narrative in Green Bay, in Seattle, Russell Wilson. They're just, they, they, they want more. And you're trying to satisfy the face of the franchise. You're trying to satisfy the most important player on your team, and that's the quarterback. And I'll say this, I do believe Kyler Murray is not only satisfied, he's happy. Without being asked about the wide receiver room, he was asked specifically about the addition of A.J. Green. And he talked very highly of Green. And then he added this, quote, We have a great receivers room, more weapons than I could ask for. Let me say that again. More weapons than I could ask for. I think that speaks volumes because I think every general manager across the league is always with that in mind, whether it's a young quarterback or an experienced veteran quarterback, you're always trying to satisfy the player in that position because without a quarterback, you have no chance. I'm going to frame that quote. <laughs> and let's talk about A.J. Green because he said, I hear the noise on the outside. We don't pay attention to that. He, he thinks he's going to have a good year or a bounce back year. Is that 40 to 50, 60 receptions? But Again, I've always talked about his route running, getting off press coverage, good on the 50-50 balls, and he's going to take so much pressure off of DeAndre Hopkins. But when he, he when he broke down the receivers, basically, not necessarily in any order, obviously Hopkins, Green, uh, Kirk, I would think Rondell Moore's in there. Um, and then you look at Keyshawn Johnson, he did mention Andy Isabella, and then we'll see some of the other guys. But when you look at it, they're probably going to keep six on the roster, five will be active on game day. And usually that you know third, fourth, fifth receiver or fourth, fifth, and sixth is going to have to play on special teams. So it's encouraging that he likes that group. And you know the thing is, uh, I just I can't emphasize it enough. Just being on the field this week, Hop was here last week, this week, and I think it goes a long way. And you can see the upside in Rondell Moore just on the route running. Uh, obviously Christian Kirk knows it's a contract year. Andy Isabella realizes what's going on, and I think Keyshawn Johnson. 
uh, from what we're hearing, Craig is the, the new wide receivers coach is taking a liking to him, and we know he's got talents about coming back for the ball and be a little bit more consistent. So on paper, uh, I like the different um, – versatility and the options they have at that position. Yeah, new wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson. Remember when we had the chance to first hear from him, and this was way back early in the offseason. He was brand new, didn't know too much about the roster, and kind of left an open door or as far as a uh, an open uh, mind with what this roster was looking like at the wide receiver position. It'll be interesting to get his thoughts now after several months and with the addition of Rondell Moore and A.J. Green to the mix. But I do think with Keyshawn Johnson and Andy Isabella, they'll be given one more chance, one more shot. And what do they do with that chance, with that opportunity, especially in training camp? And it has to be seen in training camp because there's no regular season unless they show that they can be a part of that 53-man roster. But to Kyler's point, yeah, you have a number two wide receiver, nothing against Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson. But last year was DeAndre Hopkins and who? There was a talent gap as far as opposing teams would look at the wide receiver room. And in year one with Kyler Murray was Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. And that it just didn't do enough as far as getting defenses to key on the wide receiver position. But if you have an X and you have a Z as far as those outside receivers, now all of a sudden let's hope that the middle opens up for a more a Kirk, Isabella, Johnson, whomever that slot receiver might be. Yeah, and I think, you know, Andy's going to be swimming upstream just from a standpoint of, you know, if you want to go four wide, you're clearly going to have Kirk and and, uh, Rondell Moore out there with Green and Hop. Now, if you look at it, you know, the way they want to use Rondell Moore with these jet sweeps and bubble screens and, you know, uh, getting him in the slot possibly so he can get a pass off the line of scrimmage. Um, So Andy's really third there. And then all of a sudden you look at uh, Keyshawn Johnson. You know, obviously Green's going to get the majority of the reps, but if they want to go four or five wide, uh, Keyshawn's going to be on the outside. I would think he's backing up A.J. Green, and then we'll see what happens on the other side. So it's just, you know, like you said, I think right now if I had to guess, I think Keyshawn Johnson's got a better opportunity to be active on game day. And well, I don't think the Cardinals would be interested in releasing Andy Isabella. I think a team would claim him just based on the speed. We, they, uh, there's teams out there that think they can get him going. Um, but he may be on the sidelines uh, when it comes to game day, when it comes to the, the 53 or 46-man roster. Let's stay on the topic of the offense with respects to Kyler Murray because, for me, the most important thing he said today was this quote, my legs should be a luxury, end quotes. And it was a question asked by Kyle. It's kind of a follow-up to a question he asked Kingsbury earlier in the week. And that is about how seriously injured Kyler Murray was midseason when he hurt that shoulder. And you go back, and Kyle did a great job of dissecting the numbers. Week 11 at Seattle, first quarter, second possession, Murray was sacked. Carlos Dunlap lands on top of him. And since that game, if you look at the first nine games, the last seven games, obviously we know the one loss total, six and three versus two and five. But Murray's passing totals, his rushing yards, completely different. Those first nine games, he and the offense looked great. The last seven games, he and the offense did not look great. Now, was that a product of Murray and the shoulder, or was that a product of opposing defenses realizing what the Cardinals wanted to do, or maybe a combination of both? And I think it's more the latter. But Murray did admit to that he felt last season that he needed to run in order for this offense to be successful. And I think we all knew that last year. He didn't really want to buy into that, but the numbers told that story. For him to understand now that, look, again, my legs should be a luxury. Let my legs not dictate the offense, but help assist and amplify the offense. I think that's what he's getting to, and I think that's what Kyle was looking at when you look at the numbers, because when Murray got hurt, he kind of dialed it back. He was maybe a little hesitant, reluctant to really get that shoulder whacked again, and it did kind of put the offense into a lull, if you will, and that was the word that Murray used when he looked back at the second half of the season. Yeah, and if you want to mention the first nine games, they were 6-3. and three. I mean that that's you know it's it speaks volumes of what transpired. Yeah, I've always said he's a luxury, and again, we just 
can kind of include him in the run game because you know that's that's who he was. That's how how he you know he's a dual threat. Um, but this year, I think I hope it's more one-two punch. I, I don't want to talk about a thousand yards, maybe six fifty to seven hundred, because a couple of years in a row, you know, he's been banged up at the end of the year, and that's when you want to be playing your best football. But I I can appreciate what he's saying. And one thing we we learned after the Super Bowl when he was making the rounds, and he continues to say the little things, the little things. But yeah, it's fascinating to where, you know, I've always thought that he wants to make decisions from inside the pocket, but. I don't. I think at times he's he's looking that one read, and I gotta improvise and take off. Um, he's definitely matured, and and he he talks about being a leader. There's one thing to say it, but all, you're starting to see other guys talk about his leadership, and that was something that you wanted to see, uh, you know, in the first couple of years. But clearly there was a lot of pressure on. But you could see the maturity, his answers. Um, he doesn't think th- takes per- he doesn't take him personal like before. Like maybe it's wait, what are you trying to ask me? So I've been impressed with him, and and you know it only can get better. But I, I like the fact that he realizes that you just can't step on the field and win in the NFL. I don't care how talented you are. So he's been humbled. Yes, and I think that's a very apt word to use with respects to last season and how the season finished with those two opportunities, week sixteen, week seventeen. You win one of those games. And you're in the postseason, and it didn't happen for the Cardinals. Kingsbury brought up, as far as a lesson learned, the same kind of phrase that Murray used as well, to where I think year two and the struggles down the stretch, that if both the head coach and quarterback realize that what happened, now you look back and self-scout and realize that maybe those struggles help push this team over the hump this year because as Murray says it was a lesson for us we can't be one-dimensional meaning they can't just rely on him Kingsbury brought it up as well quote I think he learned some valuable lessons through that being able to push through some things as far as being able to play hurt but also being able to understand that look we're not looking for you to be looking for you Kyler Murray to be everything on the offense you don't have to do it all you've got 10 other guys and you've got some great skilled players that can run the ball, catch the ball, and then run after the catch to where put that ball in the hands of your playmakers and let them do the hard work. And I think that's where Kyler Murray wants to get to. He's always said he'd prefer to stay in the pocket as opposed to run, whether it's run to throw or run to get yards with his feet. But I do think as much as the baseball comments are going to grab a lot of the headlines, for me, MJ, looking back at minicamp, quote, my legs should be a luxury, end quote. Now we have to see it, and hopefully that what we're hearing now in June goes through training camp and into the regular season. We've been talking about that for a couple of years, but you know, last year he's on a pace for 4,000 yards, 1,000 rushing, and, yeah, and, and all of a sudden when they're 5-2 you know, and two or 6-3, and three, he's, he's up you know, in the MVP conversation, if not the Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, he would trade all that in for wins, and he talked about just getting to the postseason like that. That's and kind of use a reference to where the Suns and he, you know, I can't tell you folks. Um, uh, the, the players and the organization is looking forward to having fans back in the stadium. I think we're seeing the, the fruits of the labor for the Phoenix Suns, but uh, get sixty five thousand in there, and, it, and they t- we all missed it last year. So, anyways. Um, but I think Kyler's excited about going into the season. I, I think he's matured. I think he's, he's trying to be that leader. And, you know, this is the time in the offseason where, you know, you can go through some different stuff and make mistakes and correct them. Because I want to get in with Hopkins' quotes and also Murray's quotes just about the relationship. And we're continuing to pound this uh, drum here. And Cliff continues to talk about what happened in the first half of the season last year where it almost took these guys to eight games to kind of figure it out. That's not going to be the case this year. Well, you look at that end of the regular season and the self-scouting that not only players do, but coaches first and foremost. And Kingsbury earlier in the week, quote, I got to figure out a way to finish the season stronger. We were not happy. The fan base was not happy with those final two games against the 49ers and Seahawks. It left a bad taste in everyone's mouth immediately at the end of the season. It lingered into January, into February, and it might still be there. 
But as much as we harped on it, and I really, for me personally, it was hard to get past because you get so close to the door of the postseason, and sometimes you never get to the door, but you're at the door, it's cracked open, all you have to do is push it, and you're in, and the Cardinals failed. It, they, they, they failed to do what we all anticipated them being able to do those final two games, and I do think from the coaches and players that were here last season, it's stuck with them as well. And some, I think some hard lessons learned and some good self-scouting to be able to look in the mirror and point to themselves before they pointed to anyone else. As angry as we were, you can take, take a tenfold how the organization felt. And, and if you get into the playoffs and, you know, it's kind of like smoke and mirrors and, you know, who knows if they would have won a playoff game, the whole idea is to get in there. I mean, maybe they don't make these changes in the off season. You know, they clearly leadership and physicality is what, according to Adrian, uh, Reece, Adrian Wilson, <laughs> he said in November they were talking about this. Now you don't know who's available, but yeah, I mean, if if this team goes, you know, ten and six, eleven and five, and they're hosting a playoff game, maybe we don't see all these moves. So they, you never feel like you arrived though. You can always get better, but. Sometimes you got to take a step back to take a for, step forward, and it looks like they learned a lesson here about learning how to finish the little things. So, to me, uh, if when you go through it as experience, the next time it happens, you better be ready for it. Yeah, and we won't know for sure for whether sure. the lesson has completely been learned or applied moving forward until we get to not just the regular season, but uh, until they get to another point in the season where times are tough. The struggles that every team goes through, how do you deal with it? How are you able to overcome that obstacle? I think the biggest question going into the season, besides obviously the health, is, is going to be, Cliff Kingsbury taking that next step as a play caller. Kyler Murray going into his third year. We know there's a little, you know, a little philosophy shift just based on being able to run the football, whether it's 11 or 12 personnel. We know that Sean Kluger got a promotion. Cliff Clilly is the play caller. Um, you have Cam Turner as the quarterbacks coach. You got a new wide receivers coach. So it'd be interesting. But this is Cliff's been in the system long enough now to where. We need to see the upside of the reason why he's the head coach of the Cardinals. I want you to dive deeper into that because you've made a great observation over these past two weeks as far as what you were able to see. But first things first, Bird Gang, need to remind you that you can catch all Cardinals Flight Plan episodes on the Cardinals official YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Cardinals. Two episodes in so far, Power Surge about free agency and first class about the 2021 draft class of the Arizona Cardinals. It's very simple. Just go to youtube.com slash Cardinals. Hit that subscribe button. That's way That way you never miss an episode of the Emmy Award-winning Cardinals flight plan. We continue here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We had a list, each of us, as far as five things that we wanted to see or hear coming out of minicamp. But before we go back and forth, to your point about Kingsbury year three, we always talk about Kyler Murray in year three. The defense year three under Vance Joseph. We touched on that earlier in the week. But you have watched Cliff Kingsbury in particular on how he's handled himself during OTAs and minicamp. Why don't you share to the Bergen what you've noticed and, and have actually had that backed up by several people within the organization. Okay, let's go back to the last couple of years. So Kingsbury is hired. They draft Kyler Murray, and they were attached at the hip, and they still are. And, you know, he was involved in every single drill, um, every single, you know, 11-on-11. Uh, 11 11. He was in the huddle with him. They have the walkie-talkie where he can give him the plays. And last year we didn't have any um, off-season workouts. Everything was virtual. So let's fast forward to this year. Now, they promote a Cam Turner, who's the guy that wears the green hat on the sidelines. Him and Kyler have a great relationship. Um, he's the quarterback's coach, and he's going to be the guy that sits next to him when he comes to the sidelines. And Cliff has actually been more involved in the entire team. And not, usually when you look over where the offense is, Cliff's always over there. That's not been the case from the OTAs and the, uh, uh, the minicamp, where I see him go, actually – on the defensive side, because the, 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 they have a couple of different fields here. Defense is on one field. They got the offensive line on another, and then between you got you know offense and defense. So Cliff has spent a lot of time with the defense, and he's been spent a lot of time with 
Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins in that group, and you still got Billy Davis and uh, and Vance Joseph there, and Charlie Bull on the outside linebacks coach. And then he's over there with the with the uh, defensive line with Brinson Buckner, just watching the drills. And then he's over there, um, you know, maybe with the uh, the defensive backs when they do their drills. So he's been all over the field, not just with Kyler Murray. And and again, I'm sure when they sat down the end of the, uh, the season, and you talk about self evaluation, this comes from ownership, the front office. Hey, listen, yes, Kyler's your guy, but you're the head coach of this football team, and I think. Players see that. Now, again, nobody was saying anything in between because you had to get Kyler going. But here, he's able to jump down, and you could see he's talking to more players, uh, not just offense, but both sides of the ball. I think it's a great observation on your part because, yes, when you're the head coach, it's all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. And early on in Cliff's career at the NFL level, it was head coach basically of the offense and specifically the quarterbacks. He never left the side of those quarterbacks to the point where you just where was where was the head coach? I'll just find wherever the black jerseys are. Those are the jerseys that the quarterbacks wear, and you'll find the head coach. Now he's moving around, and he's got his fingers in everything. Not that he didn't before, but we heard him say a lot of times in training camp. Ask you ask him about defense specifically, and it would always come back to well, let me watch the film because he would always watch the film of the defense at the conclusion of the day. And now I think he's still doing that, but now kind of looking in real time, different parts of where action is taking place, offensive line, defensive line, both sides of the ball. And yeah, you're seeing Cliff Kingsbury move around a lot and acting more like a quote-unquote head coach. Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of being tongue-in-cheek here, but you could say he was the head coach, uh, the play caller, he was the offensive coordinator, he was the quarterback's coach. I mean, he was all that. But again, and one thing I want to give Kyler credit for today, because I did ask him about Cam Turner, I know how close they are, is he mentioned Tom Clements. Tom Clements obviously was a guy that worked with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers up there in, in Green Bay. He, uh, he played in the uh, CFL, played at Notre Dame. And he, he Kyler gave me the impression he was kind of a voice of reason when things weren't going well. And uh, he decided to uh, his contract was over, and that's when they promoted Cam Turner. So all those interests about Tom Clements really didn't we, – we, we talked to Tom, but a lot of times he would defer to Cliff because he was the play caller. Yeah, and it was always – you saw Cam Turner sitting on the bench with Cliff Kingsbury to the point where people would ask, who's that person in the green hat? <laughs> who's this other guy? Well, that's Cam Turner. And I think there is also some – comfort level with Kyler Murray and Cam Turner and to the point where Cliff can now take a step back and not be that guy that can or that Kyler always relied on. There's other people. Everyone's more comfortable now in year three with their surroundings. This was all brand new to everyone three years ago. And when I say everyone, I'm talking about the head coach and the quarterback, which is basically big picture, Bird Gang, is everyone when you're talking about a football team. Yeah, I asked Kyler that question, and I used the word development. He said, yeah, Cam's been in, you know, big time in the development of him. Just little things we don't even notice. I mean, because Cam Turner, his father's Ron Turner, you know North Turner. The, the Turner family's been in the NFL for a long, long time. So, um, but yeah, he's uh, and and I'm telling you, Cam Turner can sling the ball. He's a former college quarterback, and who knows how many t- quarterbacks in in Mark Mike Burkovici could still sling it too. Cliff's not even throwing anymore. <laughs> that's that's true. We should also bring up the fact with the promotion of Sean Kugler, the yes, run game coordinator. Right. Now all of a sudden you might see some more uh, where Cliff doesn't get lost on game day as far as what's happening in front of him to where you know all of a sudden you're, you're it's a big decision needs to be made and he's talking with Kyler Murray. Those days might be over to where the head coach needs to be paying attention fully to what's going on in front. And I think uh, you know we've we've taken those post game shows over the last couple. Of years and 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 again he's got a lot going on but if you start to delegate a little bit again he's the play caller he's the head coach he's you know somebody's in his ear about challenge stuff um analytics is an area when you should go for it but uh for the most part when you you look at kingsbury i mean i think the fact that is he can just solely focus on you know um play calling but also the communication's got to get a lot better too many plays coming in late and that's because you know a lot of times there were guys in his ear on the sidelines and that person's no longer on the staff nothing it's not personal but so that and just communication and, and making sure time management 
game uh, game day operations. Game day operations. Let's hope, Thank you. The, let's hope that is much smoother yes. and we're not seeing those timeouts burn because the yes. play clock is clicking down or the play isn't in yet and all of a sudden with two seconds left, the ball is snapped, no one's ready, or you have to burn a timeout. Well, we talk about you know when things slow down for a player. You know, this is he's going in his third season, thirty-two games. I mean, he. I, I got to think things are slowing down. And again, when you start delegating, knowing I trust Vance Jones, I trust Coogs, I trust James Sexton, the running coach, backs coach. I'm sure he's trusted him. But now, like you said earlier, everyone's on the same page now. They're pulling the same rope, and you can tell based on the workouts. All right, let's get into what we had listed as far as what we wanted to see or hear from minicamp. And number one, I think for both of us, was – the question, Chandler Jones, Jordan Hicks, and A.J. Green, do they show up after not arriving for OTAs? A.J. Green was here. In fact, we heard DeAndre Hopkins earlier say that Green was a part of OTAs. Maybe he just wasn't here that day in which the media was allowed to watch. But no Chandler Jones, no Jordan Hicks, not unexpected. We knew that after what Kingsbury said earlier in the week. Not a surprise about Hicks. I am curious about Chandler Jones. One, I'm not worried one bit whether or not he shows up for training camp or whether or not he's in a Cardinals uniform this season. I just don't understand what you get if this is indeed due to a contract holdout or contract impasse what you get as a player for doing what you did this week by not showing up you're here Monday for media day you're still technically rehabbing a biceps injury all you had to do was come out on the field and show up and watch from the sidelines if you're worried about getting hurt because you're entering the final year of a contract. So I'm a little curious about the move. Again, I think it's much ado about nothing at the end of the day, but we'll have to wait and see. I believe that. I don't know if he would have worked out, but I, I couldn't agree more with you. Just pop out. But, I mean, he, he's been here. Uh, when they showed the flight plan, he was here when J.J. Watt you know, made his appearance uh, when he was getting ready to sign the contract to have his press conference. So... Um, you know, I thought he'd be here. He actually told me he'd be here. Now he doesn't owe me anything. I'm not upset or anything. But at the same time, I, I just it's June. He'll be there for training camp. Now the question becomes, you know, last year I thought he came in a little heavy. Um, he obviously didn't play up to par. Um, it's not an ACL, but it is. It is a, a bicep. 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 Yes. So, and that's that. that that's kind of like an ACL and Achilles for a pass rusher because you need to get your arms and they know how they're going to defend you. So, and he'll be 32, you know, going into the next season. But um, I, I just think, you know, for me, uh, let's see what he can do. He's going to, you know, if he puts up 15, 18 sacks, I mean, the Cardinals do have the luxury of the franchise tag in back-to-back years. Now, clearly you don't want that. Uh, it doesn't make sense for the player, but the organization has to have protection involved. So, um I hope he has a big year. I think they put more talent around him to where he can succeed. And, uh, you know, sky's the limit for him and J.J. Watt and some of those other guys. But I I think Chandler's going to be motivated because, you know, when you start looking at these lists just because of what he's achieved – you don't see people mentioning him as high as they did maybe a year ago. Yeah, and a lot of that is because we didn't see a lot of Chandler Jones last season. He gets hurt in Week 5, and even those first four games before the injury, he wasn't Chandler Jones. He was a little bit slow out of the gates, and now we'll just have to kind of wait and see with the addition of a J.J. Watt and hopefully a healthy Jordan Phillips what that might mean for the pass rush. So again, that's the attendance part, which we both had number one on our list. What, for you, as far as seconds before minicamp that you thought that you wanted to see or hear now kind of looking back after the three days. And and that's the beauty when we got a chance to talk to Cliff, usually the first and last day is, you know, we looked at it on paper, okay, Brian Winters was a free agent pickup. He's got a ton of starts. Um, He does have a relationship with uh, Kelvin Beach, and they play with the Jets. And we know how much the team values Justin Murray. He's only 27 years old. I think he's bailed his team out considering where they were a couple years ago on that right side. And then you look at Josh Jones. I think he's the wild card. And everything you hear, he's he's improving. Is he a swing tackle? And maybe he's your swing tackle. And then Max Garcia, I mean, you keep mentioning him, and everything you hear is he's doing really well, and he can be your backup guard center. Cardinals are going to dress eight on game day. So um, getting back to winners, according to Cliff, there's four guys competing for that job. Yes, the one starting position I think we can all agree on that is wide open, offense or defense, is starting right guard. And according to Kingsbury, it's open competition. Four players, Brian Winters, Justin Murray, Josh Jones, and Max Garcia – 
and may the best man win. We didn't see as far as how they're lining up. That's the closed portion of mini camps. We'll have to wait and see until training camp to figure out how they line up. But I do think you'll see, at least early on, guys mixed into that starting group just to kind of figure out what's the best five. But to your point, Winters and Kelvin Beecham, the right tackle, that's some chemistry, that's some history that they already have. So can you can you get back to that point when they were teammates with the Jets and now all of a sudden uplift the entire offensive line? Yeah, and it's it's interesting because going in, um, we talked about, okay, you and I were kind of on the same – well, I know we were on the same page about what's going to happen behind Collins and Simmons. And, you know, Jordan Hicks is still on the roster, and I anticipate he'll be at training camp. And it looks like Jordan Hicks and possibly uh, Tanner Vallejo will be the backup inside linebackers – and I didn't know that going in, but I think it's more clarification where we are with that. And then you can also throw in a guy like Zeke Turner, even though some of those guys are special teams players. Yeah, not a lot of depth, but if Jordan Hicks is on this roster, and I hope he is, just for the benefits of Zayvon Collins and even Isaiah Simmons, and knowing that Devondre Campbell is now with the Green Bay Packers, you lose that veteran experience in the room. Nothing against Tanner Vallejo, he just doesn't have the experience of a Jordan Hicks. But that was the other thing as far as what we wanted to see in addition to the right guard, but Zayvon Collins, and how does he look out there with the veterans in attendance? It's not rookie minicamp anymore. You got J.J. Watt, you got Jordan Phillips, you got Buda Baker, Malcolm Butler, these veterans out there, and as a rookie, can you handle yourself? And we heard from Vance Joseph this week, yes, he can handle himself. He is going to make the calls. He doesn't need to be that vocal leader. That's J.J. Watt, that's Buda Baker, but he does have to have that presence as far as, look, I'm speaking right now. I know you've got 10 years, Pro Bowls, all pros, but I just got the call from Vance Joseph. You need to listen to me, and then we can figure things out if there's some disagreements when we get back to the sidelines or get back to the next week in practice. But I do think to what Joseph said, he's ready, talking about Zayvon Collins, and they will follow him, talking about the other 10 players on that defense. I think there's a partnership. You know, he, Clearly, he's the guy making the calls, but I would rely on J.J. Watt. And again, he can come up and hit him on the hip, move over. I would rely on Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden, and Buda Baker, but he is, he is responsible for every single guy. And there may, may be times, Craig, where he sees something pre-snap and he has to actually go out to the to cover a receiver on the outside. We saw the wheelhouse routes. We saw Jordan Higgs do that, and you're like, oh, that's a mismatch. Not so fast here. We saw Devontae Campbell go out. So the teams are going to be aware to take him off the middle of the field to try to move him outside so he can't you know, disrupt plays. But um, pass with flying colors. You can hear his voice out there. Um, he's got the respect in the locker room. Um, you know, it's, it's not so much – uh, you know the meeting room, but he's made, made relationships off the field because a lot of these guys are on, on their own right now. And Isaiah Simmons, you could group him oh. in as well. As far as the difference, one having an off season has made for him, and how much more comfortable he is, and maybe more importantly, how much more confident he is in what he is being asked to do, and knowing that he can do it. Yeah, I, I love those words, comfortable and confident. But I think he's more mature, and that goes a long way. He doesn't give long answers. Um, the guy's a tall drink of water when I see him out there. He's number nine now. Um, like I said, I've always said this, and don't do me to redundant. Give him this guy an entire offseason like a lot of players. Give him three preseason games. He is going to be a really good player for the Cardinals for years to come. I believe that. Now the other position that we focused on pre-minicamp, and let's kind of revisit, and that is the cornerback position. We kind of looked at number two. Who is going to be number two opposite Malcolm Butler? And we kind of focused on Robert Alford, Darquez Denard, who they added. Could possibly Marco Wilson or Tay Gowan jump and become that number two corner. Well, the big news this week, from my perspective, as far as just the roster is concerned, is one, Robert Alford is healthy, first and foremost. Two, he looks great. Not only from what we have seen, Buda Baker spoke in glowing terms of Alford, locking it down. So you know he's made some plays during the course of minicamp practice. And then earlier, we had a chance to hear from Robert Alford, and it's the first time in maybe more than a year since the injury in which he tore his pec. And 
We talked about it when Kingsbury said that it was Alford who came back to the organizations and said, look, I owe it to you guys. And Alford mentioned it as well. And he, he backed up his head quote his head coach, quote, I had to come back here. I had something to prove and prove that I am the player that they thought I was when he was originally signed when he was released by the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, an easy guy to root for and someone who is hungry. At no point did he ever consider leaving the game of football because of these back-to-back season-ending injuries. And I understood the question why, because sometimes at that point you're like, look, there's this dark cloud over my head. And there were dark days, according to Alfred, but he relied on his faith. He relied on his family to get through that. And you could just see it. You can hear him. And uh, again, I- I'm-, I'm hoping this is the case because as we talked about earlier on a previous Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai Proud, partner of the Arizona Cardinals, he was, last offseason, the best cornerback on the roster. And the offseason before that, the best cornerback on the roster. He's trending in that direction again. When you talk to Vance, I mean, usually he mentions Byron Murphy because they thought he was their most physical corner last year. Obviously, Alford wasn't out there. And then the second guy is Robert Alford. I mean, uh, Byron Murphy and Robert Alford. And nothing against, you know, Malcolm Butler. They're excited to have him. Uh, Denard. And then you got these two young uh, cornerbacks. And you know, I'm always thinking. I, I'm. I was confident, or I was optimistic going into camp. What the corners look like. I'm more optimistic based on the size of the rookies. Now, I don't know if they're going to go five and four, four and five. They, you know, they could go ten, uh, unless you want to go, you know, short at other positions. Meaning, how many cornerbacks you're going to keep? Um, we'll see if Denard's that fourth corner. Um, is he going to get beaten out by Marco Wilson or a guy like Tay Gowan? We found out Denard can play inside and outside. We know Marco Wilson can play inside and outside. According to Byron Murphy, he can play inside and outside. So um, Gowan may be a practice squad guy, but I and and I was thinking they're going to try to bring somebody else, and it doesn't appear to be the case based on what they were able to see throughout the OTAs and the, uh, the mini camps. So that's good news where they feel, again, you're never comfortable, you're never satisfied, but what they see, these guys are making progress, and they, you can see them getting better every day. So – um, I'm more optimistic about the corners. I, I was comfortable once they brought in, you know, Malcolm Butler and Denard and then drafted, and then the development of Byron Murphy and Alford. So I feel better about that position after, you know, two weeks. As long as Wilson and Gallon continue to make progress and knock on wood, there's not an injury, then I don't think that this team will look for another corner as far as outside yeah. what this team already has. And I think you could say that a lot about a lot of different positions, but specifically the cornerback position. But a lot of it, I think, is going to hinge not so much on the health. that You, just, you have no control over yeah. that. But is Marco Wilson ready? Is Tay Gowan ready or some combination or one over the other? And then, you know, can you keep those six names on the roster with maybe five active or maybe even six active with that fifth and sixth guy being more of a special teamer. Yeah, and special teams is going to be huge. Now, this year, they're still going to allow 16 guys on the practice squad. Last year, you had to have an extra punter. You had to have an extra kicker because of somebody got COVID. I think we're going to see the Cardinals load up at certain positions when it comes to that. So they could keep a couple of those guys. Um and then, you know, they won't have to worry about keeping an extra kicker and punter because of COVID. And so I'd I, be curious to see what the positions they want to kind of build in the future because the Patriots have done a great job with that, you know, bringing in guys and then putting them on IR and stashing them. It, it's within the rules. But you will we're going to see this team stack different positions based on what they think the roster looks like. So that's going to be fascinating to watch this year. Um, the other position was wide receiver. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say I was thrilled – I thought it was top-heavy. I was really intrigued with Rondell Moore. I'm a big Christian Kirk fan. I think he realizes you know, he's in a contract year. I'm hearing good things about Keyshawn. We'll see about Isabella. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued what I heard from Kyler Murray, and I like the fact that Hopkins was here, A.J. Green was here. Rondell Moore is going to be a big part of it, and, and I, think they can go, I think they can roll five out right now. Uh, I would put Kirk or uh, Rondell Moore three or four, and then I, my other guy would be Keyshawn Johnson. Well, let's touch on the wide receiver position here because that was also something that I had listed going into minicamp. Kyler Murray and the chemistry with his pass catchers. I included tight ends and running backs. But based off what we have not only seen – 
But I also liked what I heard with respects to that chemistry between quarterback wide receiver Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins as both have said that they are getting better right now because they are able to have conversations as far as what works, what doesn't work. And we know there were a lot of conversations last season, but they happened during the season on the sidelines when a lot of things are happening to where it's hard to focus on getting a quarterback and wide receiver on the same page. This is what DeAndre Hopkins had to say about this minicamp and even going back to OTAs because, quote, we get better when we mess up, meaning the mistakes that are made on the practice field, they go back, have a conversation, and then those mistakes don't happen again. Learning from the mistakes, as we've heard from rookies, Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, you learn from your mistakes. Well, now you're talking about a all-pro and Hopkins still learning. He hasn't mastered the game at all, but it was interesting to hear him say, quote, that's how I see us being better is not being perfect in practice, but messing up and us being able to get on each other and talk about it. These two push each other to be great. There is no animosity. Sometimes during the season a year ago, there was a lot of, you know, fans would see what was on television and the screens and the communication or things would get a little heated. Uh, That's all part of it when you're talking about once the game is going on. But those conversations that were happening in season are now happening in the off season, specifically on the practice field. Yeah. And again, this is for, you know, we heard it a couple weeks ago where it took them basically eight weeks to kind of figure it out. And, you know, based on Hopkins in those first couple games, where he had 16 targets, 14 catches, uh, you would have thought it was a, you know, like putting on a glove. But the fact is that, you know, I, uh, hopefully Cliff will move him around more um, when it comes to that. But I'm not a big fan of that. And let me tell you why when it comes to the sidelines, okay? The fact that, you know, Hopkins, you know, may not practice a lot during the week, but at least I, I give him a ton of credit being here um, and, and obviously working with Murray, and hopefully these guys can get together before camp. But to me, um, now there's one thing for Larry Fitzgerald or DeAndre Hopkins to come to the sidelines and say, hey, Kyler, uh, if you do a pump fake here, they're biting on it. You know, you give them a heads up. But when Hopkins has to go over there and they're getting into these discussions, that can't take place on game day. Kyler Murray's got to worry about looking at the uh, the the uh, the iPad or the Max the tablet, Microsoft tablet, Microsoft tablet, exactly. And then Cam turns over there, and Cliff usually gives him a little breathing room at some point, and then he'll get up. So those conversations cannot take place. He's got too much going on. Now, again, if you want to go over and say, hey, this guy's cheating a little bit, Kyler would be look. But the fact is, I'm open. You're not throwing me the ball. I don't want to hear that stuff. Yes, and you talk about you know practice makes perfect, and that's kind of what I think D-Hop was mentioning. Like, let's make our – if we're going to make mistakes, and everyone makes mistakes, let's sure. make our mistakes now and figure out how to avoid those mistakes come day – Come game day, it's getting on the same page, getting that chemistry going, which, look, we talk about the offseason. I know players don't like it, but a little bit is better than nothing. And I think what we saw in OTAs and minicamp, this little bit could go a long way towards the regular season and, and success. I think you know all 32 teams, they all have different, you know, uh, obviously how many days are out there. I, I, can, I can make this claim, um, just like probably all 32 other uh, podcasts are having, uh, this team got better over the last couple of weeks. Yes, because now you've got something tangible. It's not just over Zoom or on your iPad or your tablet. It's now all of a sudden something that you can point to and say, remember when we worked on this? I guarantee you they go back to the rookie uh, minicamp film to now. Um, just little things. Technique. Uh, that's all they're preaching here. Tons of drills. Ball security. Knocking the ball out. Scoop and score. Uh, I, I mean, even the veterans are getting better. Yes, and, and again, it, we always—I always heard. I thought it was a cliche. You get better today. If we all apply that in life, that's that's the way it should be. And you hear it in a cliche, but to me, coaching is teaching, and teaching is about technique and making sure you you know where you are for your assignment. And they're getting well. I, I like this staff. They're getting well coached now. On Sundays, it comes down to the players, and it comes down to execution. Now, there is going to be some more work done by the rookies. They will stay around for the next couple of weeks, but we will not see coaches and players together until training camp. There is a six-week break now, MJ. Summer vacation is here for these players. Let's hope that, yes, you get away, you rejuvenate, you clear your mind, you clear your head, but don't forget 
forget about that, as Kingsbury said, the message before everyone departed was, quote, be safe, be smart, come into training camp in great shape, end quote. Yeah, I asked, I asked him that question. He referred it to Buddy Morris, who's obviously their strength and conditioning coach, and he, he's, he's got you know these guys all on 911. They have his number. A lot of times they'll ask you to you know get on the scale and take a picture and send it to me. So uh, they'll be in contact. But you work so hard. You know, usually you take about a month off after this. So you work so hard to get into shape. Um, again, running north and south is a lot different than playing football. But you know, again, like Cliff said, be smart. Uh, you know, stay off your feet and get ready for camp. And he said, um, as a whole. As a team and in the organization, they're really excited going to training camp this year. So a lot of the work is done. You and I, however, we will continue to work throughout the summer and get the entire bird gang ready for the starts of training camp. And nothing quite official, but according to reports, it sounds like the league wants a unified starts, meaning all teams opening up training camp on the same day. And that day that we've heard is july 27th as far as almost like a midnight madness in college basketball another way for the nfl to take an entire day to themselves <laughs> i i absolutely love the idea sure. and it's basically the gates open and everyone goes rushing out and all of a sudden it's football season can't wait for that but we'll have several shows between now and then to continue to talk about what the cardinals did in the offseason and what we think that might mean for the regular season yeah and we haven't got the training camp schedule and I know everyone's going to ask about you know possible um, you know fan attendance and what is it like for the red and white scrimmage. As soon as we know, we'll let you know. But also, the NFL put out their uh, national television games for the preseason, which we knew. Week two, the Kansas City Chiefs coming to Arizona to play at State Farm Stadium. That will be a nationally televised game on ESPN. I got to think we're going to see some of the starters. I would hope to see a lot of the starters, at least for maybe first half. I, I mean, that's another thing to hear from Kingsbury how you attacked preseason with one less game but also two weeks between the end of the preseason and the start of the regular season. Open up with the Cowboys. Both are home games and they travel to New Orleans to play the Saints. I think that's a game where you're going to see a lot of uh, backups and guys playing for jobs and try to figure out who's going to be the you know the 48th, 49th guy on the roster and then try to slide those guys to the practice squad. So once again, we didn't have a preseason last year. Cardinals are going to host two out of three. Next year, they'll probably only have one because obviously they're giving up a, 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 a road game this year to the Cleveland Browns. A lot to be excited about after OTAs and minicamp, and we'll continue to talk about it as the days and weeks pass before we get to that July 27th and what we anticipate being the starts of training camp. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.